Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. transpired on Raw as far as this incredibly lame 
excuse of a tournament bracket that was uh, that was constructed by the WWE. Uh, I just we'll talk about that. But the, on the positive note, there's there's a few things there's there's a few things that transpired within this week that's I'm very gra- grateful for. Um, two things. Uh, one, we got a we got a uh, a big interview coming next week. So at the top of uh, the second half of the show, I will I will uh, let you all know who the interview is for the next week. Thank you, Greg Ganya, for gracing us with your interview presence and and being such a uh, just like, like I said before, just a, a very noble, upstanding guy taking away time for a family emergency for the sake of uh, being with the show. I will forever be grateful for that. So thank you, Greg Gagne, for for spending the past couple months with us. And, uh, you know, we'll give you we'll give you uh, uh, updates and announcements of uh, Greg Gagne in the future. But uh, we got a big interview next week. So this person has been in WWE – and TNA, and I'm not going to give any more hints on on this person. So, so just be so just beware. Just just be ready. At the top of the hour, uh, the, the top of the second half of the show, we will go ahead and officially make that announcement. Speaking of announcements, so here's the thing, and we're and we're going to have loads and loads of Undertaker trivia tonight. So. Brace yourself and prepare for that. Here's the thing. I have been doing on this journalism road for quite some time now. Um, as far as writing for big sites, uh, about four years I've been I've been writing for for big sites, wrestling, all things pro wrestling. And I knew it was going to be a, a, a tough hill to climb, a big hill to climb. And I was prepared for the journey of whoever was going to lead me to. I just knew that I was going to continue to share my knowledge, my scholarly knowledge, and my passion for professional wrestling. I was going to let others know what goes inside the mind of Chris Featherstone when it comes to professional wrestling. And... I was just, you know, I'm a strong man of faith, and everybody knows that. And so I was just, you know, believing God to just, just uh, take the wheel and and lead me the right way. So I was, uh, I was privileged to write for the Bleacher Report for three and a half years, and uh, it was, it was great, almost three and a half years. Great experience writing for the Bleacher Report. Uh, this ra- this radio show, Pancakes and Power Slams, have been on the air has been on the air for over three and a half years, and will continue to run strong on the air weekly. So this week, I get uh, a notification, uh, and I and I get an opportunity, and uh, would like to make the announcement here live on the Pancakes and Power Slams show that Chris Featherstone is now. Writing for Sports Illustrated, so I'm really, really excited about that. Of course, I'm gonna be writing wrestling articles, anything else that uh, uh, tickles my fancy when it comes to sports. But um, when when I um, when opportunity 
first presented itself, I, I wanted to, you know I, I wanted to write art wrestling and, and made that known, and I will be writing pro wrestling. You can uh, catch my articles on uh, one of their feature sections called the Cauldron. Um, so we'll, I have a live article coming up this week, so check it out. So thank you all for your support, and uh, check out my articles on Sports Illustrated. How about that? So just very grateful for, for the journey that uh, I'm continuing to have on this 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 writing tip, this, this journalism tip, and uh, I'm just excited for the future. And I appreciate all your support and, and continue to support me as I uh, just continue to go higher and higher. And um just looking forward to this uh this journey with Sports Illustrated. Hey, and you know, everyone, great congratulations to Chris. You know I've I've always got your back. Because uh wrestling everything to me, everything to you obviously. You've really taken the challenge, you've done everything you can for the wrestling community. Everybody here at Pancakes and Power Slams loves you. And uh look at the chat room. Everyone is absolutely praising Everything, the footsteps that you put forth for wrestling, period. As far as, you know, on a lower scale, you're just bringing it to the masses. Everybody that wants to listen, they can listen. They can get the straight answer with Chris Featherstone. So, I mean, I'm happy to be a part of the Pancakes and Power Slams. Everyone in the chat room is. Everybody with We Are Wrestling. It's all great. And I continue. You're just going to get nothing but better and better and higher and higher. And we've all got your back. We're all behind you and you're going to make it to the promised land, and I'm going to be the first one to shake your hand. <laughs> Thank you, man. Greatly appreciate it. Great, greatly appreciate all the support that's uh, been going on. Just, You know, I, I, am, a, I am a man of uh, humble upbringings, and I've been through quite a bit of my life. Uh, that's a, a book in and of itself. Um, and so, yeah, just, just a lot. And I, and I understand how important it is to really appreciate things that happen in your life, major things that happen in your life. And, um, I'm all, I always love to give, give back to, that's why I love this pancakes and power slam show. And I love, you know, the awesome people over at com, And, uh, yeah, it's just my way of giving back, you know, just, I, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, when I was writing for WrestlingInc.com, you know, they liked my work and they, you know, brought me right on over <laughs> to to the site. And, uh, you know, I remember, I remember when I first went on the WAW Nation site, as they, I mean, the site is absolutely amazing now. If you're listening to this outside of uh, being on the WAWNation.com, you should probably check them out. Awesome, you know, awesome site design, of course, up-to-date news, and very competitive uh, and awesome rapid growth in the past few years. Uh, I remember when I first uh, <laughs> knew about WAW Nation, um, I, I wasn't too familiar with, with the site. I just knew that my work was being posted over there, <laughs> and uh, I was getting some messages and um, you know, some of the people who were working at the site at the time, they were big, you know, fans of my work over at uh, WrestlingInc.com. And, uh, yeah, they just start plugging my work, start plugging my work over uh, from, from Bleach Report as well. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a way to introduce me over to the site. And, 
you know, just I, I quickly became um, great colleagues with uh, with the family over there, and and I used my work to um, kind of propel them and, and give them some good substance for their site initially. And so, yeah, I mean, it's you know that was that was a few years ago, a couple years ago, and um, it's evolved into a great partnership between myself and we are wrestling wawnation.com and uh, looking forward to bigger and better and. And uh, yeah, I you know I appreciate the people over there, and just you know writing for Sports Illustrated now, you know I don't I I will I'm the type of person who you know still understands the power of giving back. So you know do not think that this is a, a goodbye at the WW Nation. I'll be writing for Sports Illustrated now. Uh, I'll spend a lot of my time writing there, but. Uh, don't don't uh you don't you think that I'm leaving or going anywhere. I'll be here. The Pancakes and Power Sam show will be here every Tuesday. Going strong as always. So very excited about um just the journey and, and, and what Sports Illustrated has to offer and uh check out my articles. Alright, so ladies and gentlemen, Undertaker Trivia. Loads and loads of Undertaker Trivia tonight. Undertaker's will uh, is celebrating his 25th anniversary here in the WWE and the Survivor Series is is surrounded, you know, and revolved around the Undertaker. And and so um might spoil a little bit for you for those who aren't big fans of spoilers, I'll give you a spoiler alert and maybe you can mute it for a little bit or something like that, but uh, the the Survivor Series match for Undertaker and Kane is set, and you know we'll talk a little bit about that at the towards the end of uh, our Raw recap. Uh, it was it was confirmed on on SmackDown what the match is going to be, and we'll talk a little bit about about that and and how that's going to come about. First Undertaker trivia question is: Who introduced the Undertaker? At his Survivor Series debut, who introduced The Undertaker at his Survivor Series debut? So, Seth Rollins has this unfortunate injury that's going to put him on the shelf for six to nine months, forcing the WWE to crown a new World Heavyweight Champion at Survivor Series. Now, Roman Reigns had the number one contendership from you know winning the, the four-way match, but he has to go in the back of the line. However, he was offered a spot in the Authority, or as Triple H say, for for him to be his man, <laughs> and so. Here's the thing with that. It was an interesting way to insert Roman Reigns into the tournament. At least there's some at least there was some type of explanation explanation of putting Roman Reigns in the tournament. However, here's the thing. It could have it could have had some potential. It ran for about 15 minutes or so, maybe a little bit more. And again I say 
why in the world are you putting a mic on Roman Reigns? And I will continue to say that. I just, you know, this this show, the Pancakes and Power Slam show, transcends to enough listeners to for 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 what I'm saying right now to be heard and some somehow heard with someone in WWE. Uh, you know, it's so funny, real quick on a side note, I just, uh, YouTube, none, none of the Pancakes and Power Slam show are on YouTube. Um, so hopefully soon we'll put, we'll manage to put all 188, 189 now episodes on YouTube. But it's so funny that uh, we have listeners uh, that that's, uh, records the show and puts the interviews on YouTube. I just listened to my interview of Rico Constantino uh, a few a few days ago. It was pretty funny, and I of course I had no idea who this this person is who who uh, who ripped the uh, the interview and put it on YouTube. But I'm cool with that as long as you're not making any money off of it. <laughs> then we have then we have an issue. But thank you for listening enough to to do that. But yeah, I, I it's the thing is. I, there's enough people who listen to the show, hopefully, to to m- allow my voice to be heard with saying this, and it's worth repeating because of that because of that very purpose. Keep the mic off of Roman Reigns, and why? Okay, if Roman Reigns is your guy, if Roman Reigns is the next guy, why are you not protecting him to the fullest? You're putting a mic on Roman Reigns. Triple H is doing a good job cutting a promo, cutting a, a very, you know, edgy, aggressive promo. And Roman Reigns having the opportunity to shake his hand. I'm okay with all of that. Make it short. Make it sweet. Make it succinct. Roman Reigns says no. Roman Reigns says yes. Roman Reigns says I'm not. That's not my style. Something very short. Don't cut a promo. After Triple H cuts a promo to you, just to say no, it just it makes absolutely no sense, and it's a horrible way to protect Roman Reigns. And then we're supposed I'm supposed to actually be intrigued, or I'm supposed to act as a fan. I'm supposed to sit back and say, "Oh my goodness, well Roman Reigns, you said no. Oh, here comes the big show. Now, now you're." Now you didn't. Now you didn't mess up here. When Roman Reigns has beat Big Show countless amount of times, so I don't know who they're booking for here, and it doesn't make sense at all. Especially when you're in the UK crowd, one of the smarkiest crowds in the entire world, if not the smarkiest crowd in the entire world. And and I don't understand how you're supposed to make that believable. Roman Reigns says no. And his consequence for it is the, competing against a person who he continues to beat over and over again. It, it just—it it was convoluted. It didn't make any sense to me. The positive that I extracted out of that was, I think that may may have been a red herring to what we may see in the future, which may be a Dean Ambrose turn. I think it may be a red herring, and I hope so. Uh, as we go, you know, to SummerSlam, we'll talk a little bit deeper into that. But, and I said that on the show a few weeks ago. 
I I think they may be kind of manifesting a Dean Ambrose turn. I think that segment could have been a red herring to it, and I and I certainly hope so because if if we see an Ambrose turn at the end of it, I think that was kind of a way. I think that was kind of at least a decent way to kind of divert us away from from the from the turn from the Ambrose turn. So, we'll see. Uh we'll see where it goes, but again, too much too much mic work, too much mic time for Roman Reigns. Too much extra mic time that was unnecessary. I do it totally unnecessary. We didn't see it. I mean, wait to the great job building Roman Reigns. And we knew at the end that Roman wasn't going to just fall to his plate. Or God. That's just no way that is going to happen. And we all knew that. So it wasn't believable from the start. And uh, with the Ambrose turn, that's great. I'm excited to see that. It would almost be a strong hat to say that, you know, what if Reigns makes a turn and actually joins Triple H? But the tournament itself is kind of a bland. I can see how they do it. You have to do it. What else are you going to do? But uh, Roman, I'm just, I'm still not at the point where put the title on him. It's believable. It's still force fed to me. He's had a natural organic grow since WrestleMania when he didn't win the title. But to the point, it's still almost like it's they're going to feed us that Roman Reigns has to have title, and uh, unless he joins the authorities, then that would be great, so that way, he does a heel turn, Roman Reigns is bad, Ambrose stays good, he, it's kind of hard to say, but anyway, the beginning last night was kind of boring, because we all know Reigns isn't going to succumb to that in the first try, there's just no way. Yeah, the, here's the thing, <sighs> We don't need the same Ambrose that we're getting. That's something, like, we can, I think that we can endure the same reigns because he has, you know, he has got that organic push this this year, you know, outside for the past almost eight months, or a little little over seven months. He's, He's gotten that organic push. So at least we're seeing some character development with with Roman Reigns and people were getting much more behind him and so in support of him than Ambrose. Ambrose has been just a roller coaster unstable character the entire year. He's been the second fiddle, you know, in the main event scene, he's been second fiddle to Roman Reigns, you know, during his feud. He's just Dean Ambrose has yet to really got, uh, really receive an identity for his character. He just, you know, he comes out with the tank top and the jeans. You know, he acts loony. He acts, you know, and that's really what we get with with Dean Ambrose. I think that if out of the two, Ambrose is the one who needs to he can afford a character change better, m- much more than, than Reigns. If Reigns turned heel, it just seems like, yeah, it'll be an easy way out. Yeah, he'll be heel. Yeah, he'll be with the authority. But to me, it'll be an easy way out. It'll be a creative, easy way out. 
because you know it gets and it needs to get to the point where creative is actually building stars like they should. And it's time to build stars, and I've said this many times. I even wrote an article about it. It is time to build stars to be that next level top babyface. There's no one in the entire company right now that has that next level baby fa- top babyface of appeal. Even as a heel, you know, you have people like Kevin Owens. You know that that has the potential to to kind of break through and and become you know that 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 next heel. I, I still don't see Manny Finn and Kevin Owens yet, but at least he has the potential. And of course Alberto Del Rio, which uh, Mex America is just oh, a total waste of time. I just. Maybe we'll get back to that later, but I just want to I just want to be very clear of how useless and pointless Mex America is. It was it, like I said before, it was dead weight from the very beginning, and they're going to cut a promo on England to draw heat and be, because you're Mex America is it, I, why are you drawing heat to England? And f- first of all, and second of all, why are you giving Alberto Del Rio a microphone? Why are they coming? Why are they both coming out to a microphone? And Coulter is supposed to be Del Rio's spokesperson. Why are you even giving Del Rio a microphone? He's not good on the mic as far as the bland baby face. Uh, excuse me, bland heel kind of tone. And that he's doing, it didn't work before. It's not going to work again. And why even have Zeb Coulter if you're giving Alberto Del Rio a microphone to cut a promo with Coulter? It just this is a debacle of a creative. I mean, this is this basically perfectly describes the creative team, the the, the creative direction. You have someone who comes in first of all. He accepts John Cena's open challenge. Pop. He hasn't been there for a year. Pop. He's making his return. Pop. He defeated John Cena. Pop. He was giddy and celebratory when he beat John Cena. Pop. Five reasons from the very beginning why people did and should have popped for Alberto Dario. And you totally just damper the whole thing by having this ridiculous alliance with Zeb Coulter, who's in a wheelchair with a Mex America flag behind him. There's nothing positive that can come out of this. Absolutely nothing. And their promo in England made it that much worse. I, I couldn't have said it any better. I don't think anyone can. It's just absolute filler. There's nothing behind this. There's no faction. There's no people behind it. It's just that they're coming out in a scooter, yapping off all kinds of it's, it's ridiculous. Given he doesn't need the microphone that long. And that's the rant about the stupid thing. It has nothing to do with anything like Max America. 
garbage. El Del Rio does need Zeb Coulter. I don't know if anyone needs Zeb Coulter. I mean, it's just kind of a dried up fossil of a character that nothing makes sense. So, I mean, why have this here? There's nothing. He's got it right. That's what creative is right now. It's America. It's Generation X. It's nothing, you know. You're not supposed to have anything out of it. That's ridiculous. Scrap it and forget about it. You don't need Dutch Mantel there anymore. He's to give. Alberta Doreen can do much, so, so much more without Zeb Coulter. He's got the title of the U.S. Championship. Keep that. Let him do that. Let him do open challenges again. Why do you don't need this filler garbage? It's almost like the Divas division. Any comments, Chris? <laughs> it's tough to set up an alley-oop to me when you're talking about the Divas division. <laughs> it very, very much is. Uh, Ted DiBiase is the correct answer. Next is, what Survivor Series was Undertaker a member of? What Survivor Series team was Undertaker a member of in 1993? What Survivor Series team was Undertaker a part of in 1993? Interesting question there. All right, so we get Kevin Owens against Titus O'Neil, and, and this this just makes it that much worse. And again, you know, it's it's one of those things that. There, there's there's lifer there's there's WWE lifers I'm one I'm one of those guys you're one of those guys we're WWE lifers we kind of have a we kind of have a mentality that we want that type of respect on we we kind of we kind of demand that type of respect as WWE fans. As WWE lifers, we kind of demand that type of respect because we're thinking in our heads, okay, we're spending so much time, we've invested so much time in watching wrestling and continuing to watch wrestling that, yeah, you know, unfortunately we'll put up with anything, but... I mean, don't just sit here and insult our intelligence. At least respect the fact that we're the ones that are keeping you, you know, afloat. You know, we're we're the fans that are keeping you afloat. Over the past 15 years, you've lost millions upon millions of frequent fla- uh, frequent fla- fans. However, we're the ones that are the lifers. We're the ones that are the diehards. We're the ones that are keeping your show alive. And don't sit there and insult our intelligence by having a tournament of these people competing for a world, the, the World Heavyweight Championship. So you're coming to tell me if I'm looking at a tournament here, I'm suppo- as as a diehard pro wrestling fan and as a WWE lifer I'm supposed to believe that Kalisto is going to be the new in four more matches Kalisto is going to be your new heavyweight champion I'm supposed to believe that Stardust is going to be 
your new heavyweight champion. I'm supposed to believe that Titus O'Neil is going to be your new WWE heavyweight, world heavyweight champion. I'm supposed to believe that these people are going to be Tyler Breeze from not competing at all to four matches away being the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. How does that make any sense in anyone's mind? I don't care if you are a casual fan in, in, in the greatest sense of casual. First of all, you have no clue who Kalisto is if you're a casual fan. And why do you care who Kalisto is if you're a casual fan, because Kalisto has done nothing to you to spark your interest as a casual fan. So why would you even insult our intelligence and include someone like Kalisto in the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament? That stuff, that stuff bothers me, and I and I don't I don't like it. I think it's ridiculous, and I think it's just a poor excuse of booking. And I understand that they were, you know, in in the U.K., so you couldn't bring many surprises. You couldn't do the Cena thing because he, you know, was doing, you know, television uh, here in the States. You couldn't do the Brock thing because, you know, it may have been scrambled booking and you already had some people, you know, scheduled for the, the U.K. I get it, but I would have rather saw an eight-man tournament match or eight man tournament matches that would either be announced next week or started next week just enough to bring a final four you know the semifinals you know could have been done at at survivor series i'd rather seen an eight man tournament of eight quality wrestlers than some ridiculous 16 man tournament that 12 of the 16 men has no chance of becoming the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Such a pathetic way to call to, to to attempt to get me intrigued about this tournament. It was absolutely a horrendous decision by the WWE. It was horrendous. Nobody wants to see that because obviously, like you said, all of the six men are going to make it. So why put all this? They've got, they're at their last gas. They've got so many people out that are important. Cena, Orton, Rollins. They don't know what else to do. So, obviously, they're just going to throw a huge tournament together, hope that it works like they did back in WrestleMania 4. It's not going to. Even back in WrestleMania 4, you still had a lot more people that were almost believable to be the champion other than what they are right now. So, obviously, you know, you got the Reigns, Ambrose, Things just aren't going to work out for the WWE because they just kind of really jumped the gun and made this look like a ridiculous thing that people aren't going to pick up on. Okay, it's believable that, you know, we're going to make Cesaro champion, God forbid, which would be awesome, but they're not going to do that. They're just going to leave it to the final few. And for the most part, it's almost predictable but what is the WWE really going to do? I don't understand how 
there was anything else that they could have done. What else? What other filler could they have other than make this giant tournament to make things somewhat irrelevant to make it, or sorry, relevant to make it that much better? There's not a whole lot else they could have done. So I guess you know, making matches, foolish matches with the Reigns against Big Show. Obviously, he's beaten Big Show so many times. No one, everyone knows Big Show's not going to be in the final. But they had to do it anyway because they're at their wit's end and they've got nothing else to do. Yeah, Kalisto against Ryback. Am, am I supposed to be excited about Kalisto versus Ryback? Am I supposed to think that Kalisto or Ryback has a chance of becoming the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion? Ryback has been stale for months. And so I'm supposed to think that he's going to be the guy who carries the banner. Make this stuff believable here. Make it believable. Give me people who, even if it's someone, you know, like an like an underdog guy, like someone who who can kind of rise up from the ashes, you know, someone like a, uh, who knows, Curtis Axel. You know, like I would have rather seen. Curtis Axel in the tournament only because he's been tweeting about it. He said he'll sell out. You, you know, he brings that appeal of, of he hasn't been around in a while, you know, from on, on television, so he kind of brings a sense of freshness. You know, he could be a dark horse. I can understand that from, from a dark horse standpoint. I'm, I'm a big tournament guy. I love March Madness, you know, and, of course, you know, I love the – and the NCAA playoffs because the Ohio State Buckeyes won the very first one, but and, and they were the underdogs. They were the dark horses, you know, in this whole thing. You know, out of uh, Alabama, Oregon, and Florida State, you know, Ohio State was the dark horses. A lot of people didn't believe they deserved to be there, and they ended up winning the whole thing. If they had a dark horse in there, I'm cool. But I am not going to believe that Cleso is going to be a dark horse. I'm not going to believe that Tyler Breeze, very athletic, love them in NXT, love love his work in NXT. But I'm not going to believe that he's going to be a dark horse. I'm not going to believe that Titus O'Neil, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a dark horse. I'm not going to believe that Stardust is going to be a dark horse in this championship. I'm not going to believe that The Miz is going to be a dark horse in this championship you know, t- uh, championship tournament. Barrett, yes, you know he he hasn't gained much at all. He's been he he's just been pointless, so pointless. But I'm not totally upset that Bar- someone like Barrett's in it. But you have people who they have no shot of winning the championship, and they're in the tournament. Such so a waste of time. And and, and to add on to that. How are you going to develop more matches for the Survivor Series card? So you know what this means. This means that we're just going to see a bunch of thrown together eight to ten man tag team matches that has no payoff, that has no merit to them, no build. We're just going to be seeing a bunch of thrown together matches. New Day has no... You know, title contenders outside of the Usos and Lucha Dragons, but they're not doing very good with developing them. You know, they beat the Usos and Neville, so why would we believe that the Usos have a shot? 
And so the so the title picture, you know, two week less than two weeks out, the title picture is stale. You know, the new day is awesome as always, but the title picture is not very strong. The U.S. title picture is not very strong because Alberto Dorio's in the tournament. He he won. He he won his match. So, how are we supposed to believe? You know, the Intercontinental Tournament, the Intercontinental Title. Owens won his match. They were going to do him and Ambrose, but the Intercontinental Title is is not strong going into Survivor Series. So, what type of matches? Are we going to get to you know leading into Survivor Series? Uh, you that's your second oldest pay per view of in WWE history. One of your big four, and there's no build. I understand you know this happened because of you know this this happened be, because of the unfortunate injury, but however. You could have, you could have totally, you know, kept development of other angles while in this tournament instead of just having sixteen people thrown together with with hopes of causing intrigue to the fans at the expense of developing other strong angles. You know, it, it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense at all. You know, and I don't want to spoil SmackDown for you. I, I, I just, I just don't want to do it. But I, I want to, but I don't want to. But it's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous that what, what, what we're what we're seeing with the with the winners of the tournament. So there's one person who's going to lose on SmackDown that. Isn't really much, anyways. But at the same time, very ex- doesn't make sense for him to lose at all uh, against the person who he went against. So it just it just doesn't make any sense at all. I see someone saying the Dudleys here in the live stream. I, I'm not I, I'm not sold. They, they've the Dudleys have had their shot. You know, they, they can't be number one contenders anymore. If they, you know, they they've had numerous chances to win the titles, and they've lost. You know, they've either won by DQ, or they've lost. And they, and you know, they the, the most recent, you know, the most recent match they lost. So I'm I, the Dudleys are pretty much they they've pretty much faded them all, their own selves out. They're, you know, much respect to the Dudleys, but they're more of a nostalgia act now and people you know it just goes to show you can't just bring names in anymore and expect that name whatever name or names you bring in to have enough steam themselves to be over the the Dudley boys is a perfect example people pop when they came now people can care less about the Dudley boys and that's the same that's the same thing with sting people know that i'm a sting mark to the day i die but you can't just bring people in for the sake of their names and expect it to be something. You know, Sting's Sting's character has been marred and just so abused and misused in this year that you know, just throwing them just throwing them in different spots for his namesake is not going to do anything. 
And so I just – it's just a horrible way of building stuff, and there's no angles going – in. there's no hot angles going into your second Otis pay-per-view in history. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, they've actually they buried so many And, I mean, Sting, for one thing, you just it really just makes Sting look like this nobody that he was a big deal back in the day, but he's nothing now. I'm supposed to do with Chris Jericho, especially the Dudleys, even with Kane. I mean, there's so much misuse with the veterans of the business, WWE, but of the business. It's not a whole lot you can really say I love it. I was almost convinced that the team picker was going to change. It did not change. When Sting came in, I was almost I forgot the belt on it. did not happen. It would have made sense. It would have been great for Sting. Great stuff. didn't happen. Continuously. didn't be with brothers structure. I don't want to give away Raw, but obviously, I mean, some it just it's not going to to what it wants to be, what it should be. But you know, for the most part, WWE just kind of buries people anymore. I mean, you still have Triple H there. I mean, he should be in the category of the people that they want to bury for the fact that he's got something that WWE used to really have an on to. They still do, but just the way that they wreck careers and. I think people is relevant. I'm kind of tired of it. There's really no room for that anymore. And so with the whole tournament and everything, the state of the WWE is just kind of a downfall because I've got the Dudleys saying, I can say it a million times. I mean, these people can contribute so much now. They don't want them to. Or they just don't let them for whatever reason. It's a total great. And it's, Again, why do why do we still watch this product when it kind of buries the people that made the product? Because we are pro wrestling lifers, and we get a bunch of benefit by looking at the product and 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 spending ninety minutes within our week. Unfortunately. You know, having to bear such a a very bad product, but it pales in comparison to the amazing relationships as we have built at WAWNation.com and on YouTube and through Facebook and through Twitter and other avenues that other podcast avenues and uh, you know on YouTube and all the other relationships as we've built over the past three and a half years. It pales in comparison to you guys. I would watch awful wrestling any day to talk about it and have a good time doing trivia. Speaking of trivia, the All-Americans is the correct answer. Great job. Next question is, what event did The Undertaker suffer his first singles loss? What event did The Undertaker suffer his first singles loss? Lost. Ah, uh, the next, the next. <laughs> I will watch till I die. I agree. I I agree. I, I'm a huge. I'm a pro wrestling lifer. You know what the funny thing is? I, I don't think I'm gonna announce that tonight. 
I'm going to tease it. I'm not going to announce that tonight, but I, I'm working on some things. I'm working on some things from a writing standpoint. Um, so just 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 get ready. I'm doing some 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 things, um, and expect it soon. Because uh, I'm doing something that's in the works, and it's going to be very very awesome and interesting. Uh, this Tuesday in in Texas. Um, uh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this comment here. Great comment. There's always a small glimmer of hope that keeps people watching. Also, add up the years we've been watching and the money we've put in. <laughs> it's impossible to give up, considering it's somewhat of an investment. I agree. Uh, you know, I I totally agree. And of course, you know, as I've said before, with the Q and A, and I've said this before. You know, it's I grew up watching '80s wrestling and. uh you know, my great grandma. I was blessed to live on this earth with my great grandmother until 1995. So, and I was just a teenager, and I was graced to do that. And she passed away, you know, in '95. Uh, probably the most devastating moment of my life. But she left so much, and one thing that she left that I'll never give up. It's her love for professional wrestling. I grew up watching professional wrestling because of my great-grandmother. And just her love for professional wrestling and the very fact that she allowed me as a little bitty boy to sit in front of her while she was on her recliner. I sat in front of her on the floor watching the floor model TV, watching some Class of the Champions and <laughs> some, you know, some superstars and you know just watching some WCW worldwide and just some some NWA World Championship wrestling and just you know watching that and and for that I'll forever you know watch wrestling and now you know I you know I I found I financially benefit from watching wrestling now so it's 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 great because I financially benefit from from doing it, and and it it it's even a better reason for me to watch wrestling. So, yeah, it's 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 great. I and it's unfortunate. I don't I don't like what I see, but I love the relationships and the uh, and, and the partnerships that I've developed from it. So, you know, that's a that's a positive spin to something that's uh, a, a very unfortunate which is a WWE product. This Tuesday in Texas is correct. Great job. See, I, I love asking trivia questions to people who knows their stuff. I absolutely love it. Next question is, what was The Undertaker's name when he debuted? What was The Undertaker's name when he debuted? Uh, we kind of glossed over Kevin Owens versus Tyrone O'Neill. It was worth glossing over um, you know, I kind of went into a tangent by by that match because I there's no way that I was going to think Kevin, Titus O'Neil was going to win. Just doesn't make any sense at all. Becky Lynch defeats Paige, and then Paige attacks Lynch post match. Charlotte runs out to save, and again, you know your audiences, you know your crowds. Watch tape, pay attention to that stuff. If you're trying to protect wrestlers. Book accordingly. 
You have the power to book matches. You have the power to book the entire show. Book according to your crowd. Paige is the hometown or the home country girl. She's English. So why are you having Charlotte, the champ, who's a babyface, run out to save Paige? It would have made perfect sense since he's still kind of doing that whole Divas Revolution thing. Sasha's over. It would have made sense for Paige to go against Sasha. I know that they're doing the whole thing with Natalia. They're just it just seems like they're just trying to give something to Natalia. But it would have made perfect sense to see a match, just a simple Divas match between Paige and Sasha Banks. And whoever wins between Paige and Sasha, Charlotte, if you want if you want to see the presence of Sasha, uh if you want to see the presence of Charlotte, it would have made more sense if possibly Paige would have beat Sasha or Paige would have beat I don't know. I I have a thing for just protecting somebody like Tamina. Tamina is is so underrated. She's probably one of the most underrated roster members of the entire of 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 it all. Of the entire list of 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 wrestlers in the WWE. Tamina is probably in my in my vote probably top 3 most underrated. Uh, people uh, in, of the entire roster. There's no way that she should just be losing just about every match she fights. She can probably she has you know she has the look and she probably can legit beat up anybody backstage that's a female, and she's the one who's getting the most losses. It just doesn't make sense at all to me. So I would I wouldn't have Paige beat Tamina, but I would have Paige beat like Naomi or Charlotte. And then she gets jumped by, she gets jumped by Bad, Team Bad. And, of course, Becky Lynch and Charlotte seemingly does not help her. Nobody helps her backstage. And all of a sudden, Charlotte can come out, make the save, and just kind of look at Paige. Because she, you know, that's a way of Charlotte not getting heat. She would actually get pops. She's a baby face. She needs to get pops. She would get pops in England by saving Paige, not because she likes Paige, is because she wants Paige to be 100% in their match. So why couldn't you do something like that? Instead, you decide for Paige to actually lose cleanly. She's the number one contender. She loses cleanly two weeks before her title match, which makes absolutely no sense. Then she attacks Becky Lynch. Of course, she's getting cheered because she's in her home country. And Charlotte comes out to save Becky Lynch. And so we're supposed to, if if I'm in the U.K., I'm supposed to cheer the person who's trying to attack my hometown girl? Logic. Where is it? it? Again, it doesn't make any sense. From a logical standpoint, for me as a citizen of the UK to cheer our representative here, Paige, which makes sense, but I'm not supposed to cheer her because the baby face in the States comes out, I I don't get it. It, it, 
she should have been attacked by bad. Charlotte should have made the save and just kind of gave Paige that look as she's getting up and walk out the ring. That's a way to suspend reality. People are at, at the edge of their seats wondering if something's going to happen. She's still going to get Charlotte's going to get popped because she's saving the home state, home country girl, hometown girl. But that makes much more sense to what we saw. But I guess that's too much like too much like right. It just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't think of something like that of protecting Charlotte. But it, it just it, it was just a ridiculous another debacle in booking of how they mapped that all out. It doesn't make sense. I mean, Paige, the hometown girl, absolutely should have gotten the greatest adulations last night. Didn't happen. It was ridiculous, and they have Charlotte run down. It is the whole thing was just an absolute debacle. They could have made it to where it was somewhat believable. I mean, give Paige the pops. I mean, she's the reason a lot of people are there because she's the hometown girl. But it's very make it look like an absolute schmoz. Becky Lynch didn't need that win last night. Paige did need the win. She did need the. It's going to do so much for the team, for the the D division, and uh, it, you know, Paige attacking Becky afterwards. This no sense, Chris. I mean, this the whole thing. There was really, I mean, that was one shot that WWE could have had last night with Monday Night Raw, and they absolutely blew it. And, again, that's what they do because it's Divas Division, and they've got no pulse on that to really distinguish what they need to do with it. So, I mean, absolute throwaway match. Exactly. Who eliminated uh, Kane the Undertaker is the correct answer. Who eliminated Undertaker from the 1993 Royal Rumble? Who eliminated the Undertaker from the 1993 Royal Rumble? Our announcement's coming up here in in a little bit, but before that, uh, let's get to uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Miz. Throwaway match for me. You know, Miz, he has no steam going behind him whatsoever. You know, it would have made sense for me. To me, it would have made sense for the Miz to kind of get something, uh, kind of get a pushover. Um, to me, because it would have made sense for Breeze to cost Ziggler the match against Miz. And then Miz win, and then and then uh, Ziggler comes back out and causes Breeze the match against Ambrose. There's your steam with the Ziggler and Breeze feud. There's the match at Survivor Series. But why in the world do we care about an Ambrose-Ziggler match? Of course it's going to be a fantastic match, but at the same time, Ziggler has no shot of winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship in this tournament, especially since he already has a feud going on with Tyler Breeze. And Tyler Breeze, his first match he loses cleanly to Ambrose, it would make much more sense if Ziggler would have came out and distracted Breeze. I would have, again, I keep using this word because I mean it so much. It would have protected the character of Tyler Breeze. If he would have had a distraction losing his first match on the main card, if he would have been distracted by Ziggler to to have Ambrose win because of distracting Ziggler and his loss. And Ambrose versus Miz would have you know, it would be a good match, so it would make sense. 
You got a baby face out there and 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 Ambrose, you got a heel and Miz, uh nice ebbs and flows, people it would have gained more steam for Ambrose because if you want Ambrose to be the guy, you want to again protect his character and you want him to get as much baby face steam as he possibly can. And beating someone like the Miz would have made perfect sense instead of beating someone who would probably split the audience with him and Dolph Ziggler. Come on now. Again, the word logic is thrown out the window. I don't get it. Why are you having a match between Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose? And again, that match is just has match of the night written all over it potentially. But this is not a good time to do it, especially if you're trying to build this feud and make us care about this feud between Dolph Ziggler and Tyler Breeze, especially if you're trying to gain some momentum for Tyler Breeze for being caught up to the main roster. Have them distract each other's matches. That protects both of their characters and their losses. Makes perfect sense to me, but obviously it didn't make perfect sense to the WWE. Uh, of course not. And the Miz, anything with him just doesn't. Again, why is he in the, the tournament for the championship? I mean, he's he had his time five years ago. It's not going to be repeated. Dolph Ziggler Ambrose would have been an awesome match, and it will be a great match one of these days when that does happen. Tyler Breeze being in there. I mean, again, he's a newcomer. Why would he be in the tournament? There's, it's like putting Adam Rose in the It makes no sense. There's no reason for it. And Tyler Breeze just doesn't have that it factor yet to be considered the championship of the WWE. Not booking at all. Absolutely travesty. I mean, Dolphin Miz could have been a great match, but it wasn't. And again, anything Miz kind of checked that on. He's not a believable character anymore, and there's Anytime you see him, you know he's going to fail in defeat. There's just nothing around it. Right, exactly. All right, on the other side of the break, we're going to have the announcement of the interview. But before the break, I have two trivia questions and one for you. Okay? John Gonzalez is the correct answer for the 93 Royal Rumble. Two trivia questions to ponder on during the break. Um... One, who eliminated Undertaker at the Royal Rumble 91? Who eliminated the Undertaker at the Royal Rumble 91? Two, who did the Undertaker defeat in his first WrestleMania match? Again, who eliminated Undertaker at the Royal Rumble 91? And who did the Undertaker defeat in his first WrestleMania match? We'll be back after the break. Bring what you got! The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three, our mind, let's go. The whole squad is making it clear. We taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play. Like who defies the living guy? Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us. But our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for Dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them. 
to the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin, with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent, to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, raving, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals, using God for my defense. In Alabama, we jamming, that's beautiful Bobby eating. Me and Priest, we the dangerous alliance. Nah, the Harlem Heat, how to do rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep, you all what you speak, this too sweet. Till the number is took back, we repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking, yeah, we shook that. Trusting God, we trust, pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness, some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap, he turning the power on. On the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king, sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games, our army go move too. You crew, I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming, Steiner Brothers, we love it. Demand the win, establish it. This the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Former X Division champion at TNA, managed Kurt Angle, managed the great Kali, managed Muhammad Hassan. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Davari will be on the show next week. We're going to have some fun, fun, fun talking to Davari about his time in Lucha Underground and, of course, TNA, and, of course, uh, um, managing Kurt Angle when he won the. World Heavyweight Championship, so it'll be really fun. Some ebbs and flows of his time in the WWE. How was it actually working with the Great Khali? Was his thought his thoughts about uh, the Great Khali and him being uh, champion? We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Of course, uh, uh, why the abruptness of Muhammad Hassan? There's a lot of things, a lot of stories going around of why Muhammad Hassan was uh, abruptly halted. So. Davari will give us the actual truth and uh, live and in living color. We will have him on the show next week, so be soon to be be sure to tune in to listen to uh, Davari next week. I'm excited. He's excited as well, so uh, we're going to have some fun. All right, so here is the here it is here it is here it is. The correct answers. Who eliminated him? 91 is the Legion of Doom. Who who did he defeat in his first match is Superfly, Jimmy Snuka. Next question. Who did the Undertaker main event against at SummerSlam 94? Who did he main event against at... uh, SummerSlam, 1994. <laughs> Logic, that's so 2002. I like it. <laughs> I agree. Unfortunately, that's uh, that's true. 
Yeah, also talking to dude out on the train. Yeah, it happened a few years ago, I believe. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll 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 talk about we'll talk about that. Of course, we'll talk about that. And of course, you know he'll be on live, so uh, we'll you know we'll uh, hopefully pull up pull out have some time to pull up some questions, uh, time permitting. But uh, yeah, stay uh, be be with us live, and we're gonna have a great time, and I'm excited about it. Um, no, not yet, not yet. Um. Nope, not yet. Uh, yes, that is the correct answer. The fake Undertaker, but also known as Primetime Brian Lee, who I was actually a fan of in ECW. Big fan of Primetime Brian Lee in Smoky Mountain and in, in ECW. I remember watching uh, CWA, Continental Wrestling Association, and he wasn't very popular. <clears throat> he, he wasn't. He wasn't a. a, a a popular guy, not not as far as a ba- not as far as a babyface is concerned. He just wasn't uh, in the, in the very beginning, like toward the uh, I would say upwards upper going going toward the late eighties. You know, he was a name in CWA, but he wasn't like a top guy. Um, he ended up becoming popular, uh, especially you know. Uh, Latter parts of his CWA, he started to make some noise, and then uh, ECW, of course. Uh, who would you know? Who would forget that uh, crazy, crazy bump uh, with Tommy Dreamer going through all those tables from uh, the rafters? And uh, yeah, then then you get the DOA crap and, and WWE, which I was not a fan of at all. But yeah, he was also the fake Undertaker, so. All right, uh, let's get to Natalia versus Naomi. We, you know, we talked about that. Cesaro and Sheamus. Here's the thing with with Cesaro and Sheamus. This is this is why I believe that it makes me it makes me wonder if these things are kind of mapped out weeks ahead, or if they're just kind of going on the fly week by week. Because although I don't have to explain myself of how much I'm a big fan of Cesaro, okay? I you've listened to the show enough to understand. I I can almost use the word Mark when it comes to Cesaro. I'm a big fan of Cesaro, almost Mark status, okay? He deserves to be up there. He deserves to be a main eventer. I don't have to go too far into that because I have many times before. But here's the issue that I have with what happened last night on Raw, or Monday night on Raw. You have Cesaro, who I'm I'm more than happy that he won. I'm, I'm totally fine that he won, and it doesn't matter if he beat Sheamus. I don't care about that because, you know, Sheamus has the money in bank case, so it really doesn't matter if he's in the tournament at all. It's really a wasted spot. But it kind of adds some more intrigue that he was in the Money in the Bank just to kind of throw him away for a little bit, kind of make him forgettable in a sense. Having that first-round loss makes sense too because we may see, you know, if no one, if, if neither Reigns nor Ambrose turns, I just I tweeted this a few days ago. Probably the most logical finish to Survivor Series is Reigns and Ambrose. They they go at it. They have an amazing match. They have a big bump. Maybe some something like a 
something like a, a superplex that both of them are just you know how when you do superplexes somehow both of them are are down so they do some type of superplex or they or they do some type of table bump where they both go into it or something like that and then toward the end of the match Sheamus comes out they're laid out he broke he broke kicks both of them he pins one of them and he wins the title that's probably the most logical finish of what we're going to see at at uh, Survivor Series, which I don't have a huge problem with that, to be honest with you. Get the get the case off of Sheamus. It causes some in, uh, some intrigue. It still protects Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, still giving them that that road to climb. Because as much as people know that I am a Roman Reigns mark, uh, I don't I I don't want him to win the title at Survivor Series. It's too still too early. There's still some work to be done with Roman Reigns. Still have him climb that ladder uh, until next WrestleMania. So don't don't put it on on Roman Reigns. I'd rather for them to put it on Sheamus now and have his reign, you know, last for a few months because I'd rather have for him to kind of wash the case now than for us to still see him have the case next year. Uh, when you're having the big names come back like the Ortons and the Cenas and the Lesners and so forth. And so I just get rid of the case now, use it use it then and use it in that way so we could probably have a triple threat match between uh Reigns, Ambrose and Sheamus at uh either TLC or Royal Rumble, you know, either one. That that match would make that might actually be good to watch. Reigns, Ambrose, and, and Sheamus. You have the uprising heel that's working his. I mean, you have the uprising babyface that kind of that's kind of clawing and scratching his way into becoming like a pure babyface in Roman Reigns. You have the pure babyface in Ambrose, and then you have the pure heel in Sheamus. It'll be a nice. It would. It would be a nice triple threat match if that happens. Yeah, it'll be an excellent triple threat match. Uh, Put it on Sheamus. I understand that logic. Uh, let him have it for the time being. And uh, Ambrose and Reigns will duke it out in the patent and uh, help the reviews. I mean, that's obviously is what's making sense with this. I mean, outside of with John Cena not winning it again, which I hope that doesn't happen, he got Cesaro on the top. There's a lot with this. Up until now, I mean, there's so much more they can do. With the tournament, whether they're going to do that or not, that's going to be discussed in obviously episodes to come. So we'll understand not too far from now that this can actually be something a better step in the future for the WWE. But again, you always have that, you know, Ambrose and Reigns come to a head. That's going to be a great feud, and I'm absolutely looking forward to that. If I want the WWE on the line for that. Not too sure yet, but uh, with Sheamus, he can actually kind of throw a few heads together and make something happen. But in the most part, you know, still a little more good or all. So Ambrose, Reigns, they can make game work. If we're just leave that for the time being. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm i just like the next guy who don't want Sheamus to be champ, but you know, we have to think, you know, it, it, it's hard to say this, but we have to think like the WWE thinks in, in many regards. Uh, although it's although that's not 
a positive attribute whatsoever. <laughs> you know, we still have to do it so we won't just sell ourselves short so much and, and be just disappointed <laughs> so much. But it just seems like that's the most logical way that they'll do it. Now, is that my prediction? We'll see next week on the Go Home Show. But it just seems like that's the most logical thing to do. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Again, who did the Undertaker defeat at SummerSlam 1992? New Day goes against uh, Neville and the Usos. Again, you know, just just one of those things that it just makes no sense that they're just throwing together Neville and the Usos. And why am I supposed to? And and I've said this before, and Derek knows. I've said this on the show many times. I am a fan of the Usos. I respect their traditional wrestling style. I can dig the paint. Get rid of the war dance, please. Get rid of the war dance. You know, the Usos has not been a champ. They haven't been a tag team for six months. Perfect way to add some type of freshness to their character so we can support the Usos and get behind them. It is not that easy to get behind True, pure baby faces anymore. That's just not the type of crowd that we're dealing with in these days. And it's unfortunate in many regards, but you're going to have to go the extra mile as the creative team to actually get people to 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 support and to get behind these baby faces. You can't just do the same stuff. You can't do it. And if the Osos have been gone for six months. Why are they coming back to the same exact stuff? You got the war dance. You got the same, If we, when we say, ooh, y'all say, oh. People are going to translate that to boring. It's the same stuff. Every, all the times you have returns, you have... All the other times you have returns, you have something exciting. You have something intriguing. We want to, you know, we, we want to be excited. We want to have something new and fresh. We want to support this baby face, but there's just not a lot of reasons why we should support this baby face. That's how it is with the Usos right now. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm, I still like the Usos. I'm still, you know, I still support them. They're still a very good tag team. Very crisp in the ring. I, I, there's nothing, you know. There's nothing negative to say. To there's not. No, there's nothing. Nothing negative to say from the body of work for the Usos. But the intrigue of the Usos to the to the you know the the, the fan base. Nothing. I mean, there's. You could have. You could have got rid of the war dance. You could have had the war dance be a part of the Titantron, of a part of their entrance now. I was thinking about that. Like, how could I, how they, could they have changed it up to where we're actually excited to, you know, see the Usos come out? They could have had some type of body, you know, the, the, the side of their paint kind of clash on the beginning of the, the Titantron. Lights could have went off. Pyro went off. And then they're right there, you know, with some type of hard-hitting, you know, kind of 
Polynesian war dance type of rocky rock, you know, rock style song for us to just really be behind them. Because as people know very well, I'm a huge supporter of theme songs. Theme songs can make or break someone's career. Theme songs and uh, wardrobe. Those are the two factors that people, a lot of people don't talk about. But theme songs, just look, just pay attention to the history of notable, legendary pro wrestlers from the 80s on. Their theme song and their wardrobe. When you think of Randy Savage, you think of stars, you think of, you know, bright colors, you think of the pomp and circumstance song, you think of Ric Flair, you think of the, you know, of course, the the Ric Flair song with the, you know, awesome gear. You think of Sting, Hulk Hogan with the red and yellow, of course, Real American. You think wardrobe, theme songs can make or break a wrestler. Now, their wardrobe is awesome. I like it. I can dig it. But their theme song and the and the and dance, the war dance, it just has to go. And I totally agree. It's kind of dated. You kind of think something else would have you know, that's been gone for a while. But obviously it hasn't happened. I mean, the new day is still relevant. I mean, they're. I don't want to say they're getting stale. They need to push it a little more. Um, Usos. For the most part, I mean, I enjoy the use of it. I respect their time. But this, I want to take back just say there's really nothing else to really grab onto. So there's no fluidity behind it because the fact that it's it's the same old do so. And what are they going to do anything different than they did before? No, it's the uh, same old theme. And we just talked about it earlier with the Dudleys and everybody. I mean. I mean, you've got so much going on with the tag team division, but nothing's happening. And the New Day staying relevant just for the fact they have pure raw talent, and the WWE lets them do their thing. Everybody else, they just kind of shield and go out and put your face paint on or throw someone through a table like we've never seen it before. Give me a break. Hey, it's yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what type of match did the under- Kamala is the correct answer? Great job. What type of match did the Undertaker compete in at SummerSlam '93? And of course, at the uh, of course the end of it, we get uh, Bray Wyatt in ring promo. Undertaker and Kane appears, takes out Wyatt family. It was, it, I mean, that was cool to see. You know, for Kane, you know, for them to have that video package, and for Undertaker and Kane to come out. Uh, and kind of take out the wide family. But here's the thing. You still only have The Undertaker and Kane. Now, this is Survivor Series. Undertaker debuted two years ago at a Survivor Series. And here's a spoiler alert. So I'll, I'll give a little bit of time for you to mute it if you want to. But here's a spoiler alert. Bray Wyatt calls out The Undertaker and Kane to a Brothers of Destruction versus two members of the Wyatt family of their choosing match on SmackDown. Again, what a horrible way to end a feud that was actually gaining steam, that was actually becoming a little bit intriguing. And, you know, Bray Wyatt has 
had multiple opportunities to do something right, and whether it's the creative or just him talking so much, you know, his promos are you know very captivating. But you can't you can only get so much of his promos and just say, you know, this is just the same type of deal here. And you know, it's it's like you, you gain all that, you, you you draw some suspense of actually having a four on four. Which makes perfect sense because the Wyatt family is an actual faction. So the four of them, it would make perfect sense to go against, you know, someone at Survivor Series. But instead, you're choosing two members of the Wyatt family against the Brothers of Destruction. Oh, what a letdown. Just a total letdown. Absolute letdown. And the thing about it is. Yeah, the Brothers of Destruction, I enjoyed that last night. I was, I was totally marked out for it. Then against two other Wyatt family members, it's almost a quarter of Wyatt's going to be checked. But what if they pick the other three or the other two? And if we're going to throw you guys against this for the best. There's, It's almost late time right now. The Brothers of Destruction, of Destruction can absolutely be pick a couple other members, recruit them, maybe Sting, make him relevant again. It's, you can do a lot more with this match and just have a two-on-two. The Brothers of Destruction, yeah. I mean, forget about it. And The Undertaker could take on two-on-one. You could do this. That that would totally make The Undertaker's career and Kane's career if they were to take on all four of the Wyatt family. But it's not going to happen. And it could be The Undertaker's last match. Who knows? But uh, we'll see what goes on next Monday night or if I have the Survivor Series as far as it can be. Yeah, I'd be okay if it was Taker's match, but last match, but it won't. Like I said, 32's in Dallas, so we'll, we'll see Taker. All right, we got a couple minutes left. It is time. Let's go. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. All right, to catch up with uh, getting all of the title changes in, we're going to do uh, quite a bit of years here and just uh, which one is the the, the one you can think of the most here. Uh, Sable winning the uh, Women's Championship in 98, um, defeating uh, Jacqueline. Of course, the Deadly Game Tournament was 98, similar to, well, could have been similar to what we see now, but uh, unfortunately not. Uh, and Rock winning the vacant championship there. Uh, Big Show defeating uh, Triple H and The Rock to, to win the WWE Championship in 99. And uh, that was that was the 99 um, title change. And, of course, uh, uh, with, with the, the year 2000, uh, we saw a title change uh, of uh, title. I don't think there was any title changes in 2000. Actually, I think uh, 2000 was an interesting, an interesting year period of of, of pro wrestling. Uh, very, very interesting. 2001, uh, we saw the uh, the women's championship was vacant, so the six pack challenge, uh, and, and Trish Stratus uh, won that one. And of course, uh, the unification, the uh, Dudley boys uh, defeated the Hardy boys. Uh, um, it was a unification match there. 
and also a unification match. Uh, Edge be, uh, unifying the uh, Intercontinental and um, and and Intercontinental U.S. Championship. That was a, a really awesome. 2001 was a really good time. Um, <clears throat> and then 2002, real quick. We'll we'll do the rest uh, next week. Uh, we have uh, Shawn Michaels winning the Elimination Chamber. So, and of course, Big Show um, winning the uh, WWE Championship. Uh, with the uh, help of um, of Paul Heyman and Los Guerreros winning the tag team championships, um, so real quick, um, real real quick, there. Give me ten seconds of which one's your uh, your most memorable one. Uh, the best one I think from those years is probably Shawn Michaels winning the Elimination Chamber. It was when he just came back from his uh, back injury, the Triple H game after he's been gone for a while, about four years yep. or so. 2002 was Shawn Michaels' year for the Survivor Series. Absolutely. We'll do 03 to uh, 14 next week uh, after the Davari interview. Looking forward to it. Uh, thank you so much for just all your support. And I, I, can, I can't say it uh, so much. Follow at Crave Wrestling. Let's talk wrestling th- uh, throughout the week. And, and thank you so much for listening. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. And thank you so much. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.